Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Good afternoon and good evening, rugby fans, and welcome to episode 59 of the DNVR Rugby Podcast. My name is Colton Strickler. As always, I'm your host. Uh, excited for the show we have for you all today. It's a pretty big show. We've got a lot going on in the world of rugby and especially a lot going on here around Infinity Park. So with that, we'll start the show the same way we do every week, and that's by jumping into the breakdown. Breakdowns is a weekly roundup of news, stuff going on with rugby all over the world, especially here. So, uh, like I just mentioned, big week of rugby here at Infinity Park next week, which is awesome because it has been such a long hiatus. There's been nothing going on for so long that I'm excited to dive headfirst into some rugby stuff. So with that, uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and jump right in. So uh, the Rugby Town Crossover Academy gets started next week, something I've been talking about on the show a lot recently. We had Jalen Robinson and Mandel Dixon on last week's show, so if you haven't Listen to that one. Make sure you go check that out. Those are two guys that played in the NFL that will be at the camp starting on Monday. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing what those guys can do. And, and we've, I think us to her, there's 33 players coming, so 33 crossover athletes coming to try out rugby, um, see what happens with all that. And I'm excited about it. I'm going to be covering it the best I can. Uh, so, the, so the very tentative schedule as of right now is players will start showing up on Monday, take their COVID tests, and then the camp will really start going on Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday afternoon, I think, once I get all the COVID test results and all that stuff. So I'm planning on being around the camp every single day. I'm going to be there as much as I can. But in order to do that, I also need to produce a negative COVID test. So I'm going to take care of that on Friday. Um, this is me knocking on wood. I don't know if you guys can hear that. But uh, we need a negative COVID result so I can be around the camp and bring you guys a coverage of, of this awesome event that I'm looking forward to a lot. So I feel fine, and I've been careful. So just now I need the, the test result. So uh, it's kind of the first little big piece of news we got going on at camp next week. Uh, but the next big piece of news is, is a big week for USA Rugby as well because it's Women's Rugby Week. So uh, USA Rugby announced on Tuesday that they'll have two Stars versus Stripes masks. There'll be two inter-squad scrimmages. Uh, they'll split. I think there's 49 players involved in those scrimmages. Let's kind of split it down the middle. Uh, and they'll play two matches next week. And so um, we'll kind of give you a rundown of Women's Rugby Week next week. And so it looks like this. I'll read you straight from the USA Rugby release. You, Women's Rugby Week runs from November 16th to the 22nd. Features daily content offering to spotlight the following key milestones and events in the women's game. So on November 16th, uh, they get the anniversary of the date of the first USA Women's 15s team uh, that toured Europe in 1985, and then USA Rugby launches Rugby World Cup 2021 specific fundraising campaign, so uh, make sure you keep an eye out for that. 
On November 17th, that's the anniversary of the date, Patty Jervie became the first American woman inducted into the World Rugby Hall of Fame. Uh, November 18th, that's the first Stars vs. Stripes match. So that's the Stars vs. Stripes opener at Infinity Park in Glendale. Kickoff is at 2 p.m. Mountain Time, and that match will be streamed on Flow Rugby. It will be free. Uh, and then on that same day, on Wednesday, the online auction opens with all the proceeds ben in benefiting the women's uh, 15s program. And on November 19th, we've got the Rugby World Cup 2021 draw taking place at 1.30 p.m. Eastern time, so that's 11.30 p.m. Mountain time. Uh, that draw will take place live on the World Rugby stream. Uh, it will be streamed on the World Rugby channels, so Twitter, you know, YouTube, Facebook, all that. So we'll get to figure out uh, who the USA will be playing in pool play. So that'll be awesome stuff to see on November 20th. Uh, USA Rugby Director of Women's High Performance Emily Bidewell discusses the future of the women's game in America. Fans can watch that on Facebook Live. The time has not been announced yet, so we'll be sure to keep an eye on all that. And then on November 21st, the uh, Stars versus Stripes finale, so that'll be the second match of the week, will take place at Infinity Park. Uh, kickoff will be at 2 p.m. Mountain Time. That will also be streamed on Flow Rugby for free. So because of COVID and all this stuff, the changing restrictions, fans will not be allowed into Infinity Park. Um, but you can watch that match on flowrugby.com. It will be streamed for free, so make sure you sign up, make an account so you can see all that. And then finally, uh, the end of Women's Rugby Week comes on November 22nd. Uh, and it will conclude with a message from young women across the game. So it should be awesome stuff. They're going to put out content about all that stuff throughout the week. Um, so make sure you keep it locked with USA Rugby for all that. And if you're, if you're looking for rooting interest in the match, uh, we've, got Nick Nate, we've got prop Nick James on this week's show, and we have Hope Rogers, of course, in the past came on the show, joined us, talked a little bit about uh, you know her rugby career and, and what the camp's been like for her this year. So both of those girls – will be on the Stars team um, if you're looking for a side to root for in those matches. So uh, with that, we'll go ahead and move into the MLR side of things a little bit. So today is Thursday, November 12th. The Giltinis have started announcing player signings, which they have been teasing for a while. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on that, of course. The first Giltini to be announced was Watson Philly Katonga, who was their first pick in the MLR draft this past summer. Um, I know that several former Raptors will end up playing their rugby in L.A. next season, so I will keep the Raptor tracker updated uh, here over the next few days. I have a feeling I'm going to be a busy man, but busy is good, so no complaints there. Uh, so keep it locked there if you're looking to track down where all the Raptors are playing next season. Um, and in that same breath, uh, the, while the Giltinis announced their signing, the Dallas Jackals also announced on Thursday that they signed former Raptor Marco Fepuliali. Uh, I spent some time around Marco last season, and he is, no joke, probably the quietest person I think I've ever been around in my entire life. Heard him say maybe 100 words all of last season, but he is a hell of a prop and a great signing for the Jackals. I know if you've been following along with the show, the first time we had director of rugby, Mark Bullock, on back in the season, I think it might have even been before the Raptors got their first win of the year. Uh, he was very complimentary of the work that Marco puts in on a regular basis. Uh, he's probably one of the most reliable uh, forwards, and certainly on the Raptors, you, you can loop him in the rest of MLR. He was a he was a workhorse. Uh, you always knew what you were going to get from him. So, 
congrats to Marco. We wish him the best down in Dallas with the with the rest of the Raptors boys down there. So uh, congrats on that. And, and of course, we'll keep the Raptor tracker uh, rolling here as the new signings continue to be announced. So make sure you follow along with that. We've got that. Uh, article pinned at the top of the Twitter feed at the NVR underscore rugby on Twitter. So make sure you're checking that out. And then uh, all you got to do is on the DNVR.com, just search for former Raptor tracker and you know, it's pretty easy to find. So with that, we'll go ahead and transition into the world 10 series, which wrapped up in Bermuda last weekend uh, with SX 10 from Cape town, winning the whole tournament. So if you have been listening to the show, or if you've been following along with the world 10s at all, you'll know, that SX10 had to forfeit their first weekend of matches because a member of their team tested positive for COVID. Uh, when they got to Bermuda, there's like single-digit cases in Bermuda, so Bermuda locked them down in a hotel. They had a quarantine, uh, so they had to forfeit all their matches that first weekend. The, the tournament schedulers moved around the second weekend of the tournament so that SX10 could compete, uh, and they ended up winning the whole thing, so congrats to them. Congrats on the organizers of the World 10 Series for putting on the tournament successfully in the middle of hurricane season and a pandemic. Um, it was fun to watch. It was fun to see, you know, the new rules, the, the experimentation with the rules. Uh, it was just good to watch some rugby again, good to watch some MLR guys compete. So congrats all around to SX10 and to, of course, the World 10 Series for putting that on uh, against all odds. Uh, so with that, we'll go ahead and transition to the last part of the breakdown, which I think I'm going to start calling this all the rugby that you can watch this weekend. So uh, to start out, the Tri-Nations Cup continues this weekend with New Zealand taking on Argentina on Friday at 11.10 p.m. Uh, at the time of the recording, I'm recording this at like 1 p.m. on Thursday. I do not see this match on ESPN Plus like the rest of the New Zealand fixtures have been for the last few months. Uh, but as we know, as we've learned doing this podcast, ESPN Plus waits up until the last possible minute to put the rugby fixtures into their broadcast schedule. So I'm holding out hope that that will be in there um, over the next day or two, I'm sure. It usually pops up on Twitter about an hour or, excuse me, a day before. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that tonight on Thursday. And, I, of course, I will tweet it out when I see it. Um, so that's that's kind of what's going on with New Zealand rugby. Uh, the Guinness Pro 14 round six continues this weekend. So on Saturday, we've got Connick versus Scarlets at 12.35 p.m. Um, on Sunday, we've got Munster versus Ospreys at 7.45 a.m. And then on Monday, we've got Zebra versus Ulster at 11 a.m. We've got Cardiff Blues versus Benetton at 12.45 p.m. And then we've got Leinster versus Edinburgh at 1.15 p.m. So uh, lots of rugby on Monday afternoon during your lunch break. And, and listen to this Sunday. So you can wake up. You can put the Masters on your computer, or you can put the Masters on your TV. You can put Munster vs. Ospreys on your computer at 7.45 a.m. Mountain Time. You can watch rugby. You can watch golf uh, lead you right into your NFL Sunday. That that sounds like the perfect sports weekend for me. Uh, so make sure make sure you check all those out. You can catch all those matches on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, and then transitioning into the, into the next set of fixtures, we've got the Autumn Nations Cup getting rolling this weekend. Uh, so we've got Ireland versus Wales on Friday at noon. So if you're listening to this right when it drops, you can catch that match at noon on the day this podcast releases. And then on Saturday at 5.45 a.m., we've got Italy versus Scotland. Uh, 8 a.m. on Saturday, we've got England versus Georgia. And then on Sunday morning, we've got France versus Fiji. So again, 
if you're not if you're not feeling watching Guinness Pro 14, maybe throw in a little Autumn Nations Cup uh, instead to kick off your football Sunday with the Masters rolling on your TV at the same time. That sounds lovely. So you can catch all those matches on Flow Rugby as well. Unlike the USA Rugby Women's Stars vs. Stripes match, those matches will not be free. A membership to Flow is $12.50 a month. So if you're interested in watching the Autumn Nations Cup, uh, make sure you sign up, create an account on Flow Rugby. It's pretty easy to navigate there. Um, so make sure you do that if you're if you're looking to watch some rugby. And then finally, uh, we'll include this in the rugby you can watch this weekend because while it's not necessarily live rugby, it is a rugby event. It is for a good cause, and it's it's gonna be cool. I'm looking forward to checking this out. But uh, make sure you tune in to the U.S. Rugby Hall of Fame induction ceremony on Saturday, November 14th at 6 p.m. Mountain Time. Uh, visit usrugbyfoundation.org for more information. But I'll tell you, the event is free. You just have to sign up and reserve a ticket so that you can get a link into the actual broadcast. Uh, you can bid on some cool items into, um, you know, all all the proceeds go to supporting the U.S. Rugby Foundation because this is usually they have the, the dinner at Infinity Park in the ballroom. Uh, I mean, they at least did last year. Um, but this is how they raise a lot of their money. Obviously, with COVID, things are different. So they're making the ticket free. Uh, you automatically get entered into a raffle to win a custom-made rugby jersey signed by every rugby winning rugby World Cup captain. So that's pretty cool. It's a once-in-a-lifetime uh, prize. You get three sets of four rugby posters and three sets of 30 U.S. Rugby Foundation, a ball for all rugby balls for a youth or high school team of your choosing. So that you, just by signing up for a ticket to watch the broadcast, you get entered into a raffle to win one of those prizes. So, um, And then I would encourage everybody, if you can, go donate, big or small, uh, bid on some of these really cool auction items. Um, yeah, it's going to be a cool thing. Like I said, that is on Saturday night, November 14th at 6 p.m. Mountain Time. So I signed up this morning. I encourage you to do the same. Uh, come support friends of the program, Brian Vizard, who runs the U.S. Rugby Foundation. We had him on about a couple months ago. And then uh, Jamie Burke, who I think was in May, we had her on. Um, she She's being inducted. So come support friends of the program. Uh, for taking the time out of their day to come chat with me and come watch them get inducted into the Hall of Fame and come watch Brian Vizard put on the whole uh, the whole induction ceremony. So I'm going to tune in. I would encourage everyone to do the same. So with that, that ends the breakdown. That's the last segment of the breakdown. So we'll go ahead and jump into the interview portion of the show. So leading up to Women's Rugby Week, leading up to the Stars vs. Stripes match, it's only fitting to get two more uh, members of the United States Women's National Team on the show to talk about camp so far um, leading into this week is, week's match. Uh, just, you know, getting to know them a little better, getting to know the work they've been doing while they've been here. Um, so I'm very excited to have Nick Prop Nick James on and strength and conditioning coach and assistant coach for uh, Harvard Women's Rugby, Sylvia Bratton, on to come chat about all things camp. Um, we had a different perspective with Sylvia on as she's running the strength and conditioning. So I've had the opportunity to go out, watch a couple of trainings, watch them lift, watch them run, watch them do field stuff. And um, I, I really wanted to talk to Sylvia. So I'm very happy that, that we had the time and she made it work. We could come on the show and talk about some stuff. So um, uh, among other things, among talking about camp, among talking about this next week and, and the World Cup preparation and all that, I did get a, a very interesting breakfast recipe from Nick James and some, some very important workout playlist recommendations from Sylvia. Uh, so th those are nice little tidbits in the article. Um, 
just on a side note, I've been experimenting with a new headset over these last few days, so I apologize in advance for the sound quality of Nick James' interview. She sounds good, but I sound bad as, I, as I'm still kind of getting the hang of this headset. Um, but other than that, I guess we can go ahead and kick it to my conversation with prop Nick James and strength and conditioning coach of the United States Women's National Team and assistant coach of Harvard Women's Rugby, Sylvia Broughton. All right, now welcome on to the show, prop for the United States Women's National Team, Nick James. Nick, how are you doing? Doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for taking the time to come chat with me for a little bit. Uh, I really appreciate it. So, Nick, start off with the same question we ask everybody that comes on the show. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about where you're from? Uh, I'm from a little town in Texas, uh, Dublin, Texas, about mm-hmm. an hour and a half southwest, Dallas-Fort Worth. Nice. We have more cows than people. Yeah, that's okay. That sounds like a, a little town in Texas to me. Uh, yeah. So how and when did you start playing rugby? Um, when I went to college, a friend from home worked with a girl that played rugby and thought I would excel at it or at least enjoy it, mm-hmm. um, having played football through high school. Right. I know I was reading about you uh, the other day, Nick, and it looks like you played quite a few sports when you were growing up. Can you tell us a little bit about all the sports that you played before you got into rugby? Uh, yeah. So in high school, I did cross country and football. I did basketball and powerlifting and softball and track. And by track, I mean, I threw shot put. So. Yeah. Very nice. Uh, what about rugby hooked you? What was it something different than those other sports? But like, when did you catch the bug? And I guess like, what about the sport, uh, made you catch the bug for rugby? Uh, yeah. So it was, it was like the best combination of all of them put together. It was right. fast paced, like basketball, hard hitting, like football. It challenged me to think ahead like softball. And I could put into practice that strength I got from powerlifting and that cross country endurance running and the, the movements I learned in shot put. Yeah. Very nice. Um, can you kind of explain your, your career, I guess, like, can you explain your path to the national team? So you pick up uh, rugby in college. How, how do you get to uh, the United States women's national team from there? Um, so throughout college and even after I was in, I, well, through college, I played a lot of, uh, local territorial, um, sort of all-star teams mm-hmm. and was invited to a few national team camps here and there. Um, and then post-college played senior women's club in Texas for Austin Valkyries and then later for Houston athletic rugby club. And, um, was still invited to a few camps here and there, but I was never actually selected for a team until the 2017 world cup. Mm-hmm. Well, and then what do you remember about your first cap? <laughs> um, uh, the word I use a lot is surreal, but um, I definitely didn't expect to go in as early as they put me in. I thought, Oh, well I'll get like, the, you know, the last five, 10 minutes maybe. And they put me in with 25 minutes left, which yeah. I did not expect. <laughs> um, and then <laughs> being on the field, it was, um, realizing that I'm playing against England, one of the top teams in the country and the person across from me, I didn't know at the time had a hundred plus caps. Um, it's just very humbling. Yeah. And then also the excitement when we scored the try that we needed to get into the final to the semifinals. Um, that was a very cool moment. Yeah. How long does it take? I, I, I'm always curious about this. Like how long does it take for you to kind of get your nerves under control like you you're mentioning you you're you're cognitively thinking about all this stuff while you're going out to play like how long does it take for you to kind of settle in and just play um maybe five ten minutes it just depends a lot of times it's uh like once you get that first something first scrum first carry first tackle once Mm -hmm. you can get that out of the way um 
everything feels like, okay, yeah, yeah, I remember what I'm doing, and, you know, yeah. I, I've been here before kind of thing. Right. Just got to gotta flush that stuff from your system. That's awesome, though. Um, yeah. So, Nick, I obviously want to ask you a little bit, as, as you guys kind of wrap up your uh, two-month residency program at Infinity Park, just kind of how tr- camp's been so far. I know I had the chance to talk with you a little bit at the beginning, um, but we're into the final, what, week or two now. So just wanted to check in with you, see how camp's been treating you so far. Uh, it's treated me really well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's exactly what I needed coming out of quarantine to kind of jumpstart training. Um, being in Texas and training solo, um, I can only do so much, right? But then being here and being able to compete with um, my roommate, Charlie Jacoby, um, and being able to talk rugby with everybody that's here, it's um, it's been really helpful to me to remember why I do what I do, what mm-hmm. we're doing, Um and it's really, I think I'm in a much better place now than I was six, seven weeks ago. That's awesome. I got to ask uh, Nick, being from Texas, what what did you think of that snow a couple weeks ago? <laughs> How did that make for um, training? I, uh, yeah, that was, uh, I was very thankful that they moved us inside yeah. <laughs> when it snowed. Um, and that was quite an experience. Yeah. I, I think it was, what, 70 the day before? Yeah. And then it just plummeted that's colorado so that as they say. yeah you've been lucky with we've had some nice weather while you've been here very lucky yes yeah uh so i wanted to ask too is just kind of as you go through this camp and and as you go through training being a, a member of that 2017 uh rugby world cup team how much does that success that that you all had during that campaign like pre- play into this preparation if that makes sense um i think one of the common thoughts for myself and others that were there in 2017 is that we know how well we did, but we also know that we were capable of doing better. And I think that feeling of knowing that we were capable of doing better is what has driven us and continues to drive us Mm -hmm. to get to that next level for 2021. We know we're capable of going further, um, improving on what we have done. Mm Mm-hmm. I think I like that. I think that sounds good. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I'm really looking forward to it. I know it, I was talking to Rob in September. It's crazy that that was uh, even almost two months ago. We're getting that much closer to it all. Um, and speaking of Rob, I just wanted to ask what's, what's it been like playing for Rob since he's taken over the reins? Um, the thing about Rob is that no one can hide on the field, right? (laughs) Whereas before you'd have a few key decision makers and, um, they'd kind of dictate how things would go and, everybody else would know the rules and we're going to do this in this part of the field and this in this part of the field. Um, Rob has challenged everyone on the field to think and be a decision maker um, and really encouraged everyone to step up and lead. Not everybody's going to lead in the same way, but everybody I think has making, has made steps um, to step up and lead in their own ways. Right. Um, which is really cool. And yeah. Is that something you've kind of seen just even over these last seven, eight weeks? Definitely. Yeah. Um, we do a whiteboard session at the beginning of every um, practice and just it's him and the other coaches asking questions and it's us feeding back to each other and discussing. And then we get on, get into practice and we get to implement that. Um, And our conversations week one, Mm -hmm. where there's a lot of awkward silence compared to week seven, where there's a lot more um, back and forth discussion, I think is testament alone to that. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome to hear. Uh, Nick, do you have like a different feeling about this team? If you could, can you describe kind of the feeling around this team as you guys work through camp? Uh, 
you know, every assembly, every tour, every selection is unique because it's, it's never exactly the same people twice. Um, but this group in particular is just hungry for competition just ready to go, ready for the next challenge, ready to step up and see what we can do. Yeah. I know. I'm excited to see it. And I bet, I mean, I'm sure this whole pandemic and, and the quarantine, that's that's probably just added fuel to the fire. And I'm sure you're all chomping at the bit to hit somebody else beside, besides your teammate and even just get like a full team session in, right? I know it's been kind of right. different how they, they've run this camp. Um, and then, uh, Nick, one of the other questions I want to ask you, I, I was going to ask a little earlier, but we moved it to the bottom here is, uh, do you have a favorite rugby memory? I like asking people this because it's always different. Some people, it's a high school match. Some people... You know, it's playing. It's their first cat. But if you had to pick one, could you pick a favorite rugby memory off the top of your head? Oh, to pick one would be really tough. You can um, pick a few. We can bend the rules for you. <laughs> appreciate it. Yeah. Um, my, the most common when people ask this, what I think of the most is um, Ireland. So, a month after I started playing rugby, I was on a week-long spring break tour to Ireland, where yeah. I got to play my first full rugby match, and then getting to play rugby world cup in Ireland and then getting my first start for the national team against Ireland in Ireland. Um, those are some of my top memories for yeah, sure. For sure. I, those sound like great ones for sure. Um, what, what is the first thing you're going to do when you get home, Nick? Are you been stuck here in Colorado for two months? What, what's like the first thing on the agenda when you get back to Texas? Huh. Man. Cause you're a teacher, correct? I am a teacher, yeah, and uh, I'll get back right the week of Thanksgiving break, so oh, I get a perfect. little time. You get another little break, um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I get a little time home with family, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, so first thing I'll do is go spend time with them, do Thanksgiving. Um, I got to enjoy a lot of time at home over the quarantine. Yeah. Um, a lot more than normal because of our lack of rugby. So um, it'll be nice to go back and spend some time with family again for sure i like that answer too and then then nick the last one i want to ask you before i let you go so i remember the first time um i talked to you upstairs a couple weeks ago you had mentioned that that you had a a breakfast hot dog that morning so could could you explain to me and and the good people what a breakfast hot dog is (laughs) uh yes the good old breakfast hot dog (laughs) um so i'm not a trader joe's shopper back home we have h-e-b the glorious grocery store that it is um so coming to Trader Joe's my roommates Bitsy and Charlie were really trying to help me out figure out what I could buy what you know what's good what's not mm-hmm. and uh they suggested these sweet apple sausages from Trader Joe's mm-hmm. um which are, are very nice and they became a staple for breakfast because you just take one out pop it in the microwave 30 seconds you got yourself a little breakfast hot yeah, dog there you go I like it. I like. It. I'm gonna have to try that out. I've, I've been thinking about that since I, I met you upstairs a couple of weeks ago, and so I had to make sure I took the chance to ask you about that. So, uh, Nick, that's all the questions I had for you. So, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, now we welcome onto the show strength and conditioning coach for the United States Women's National Team and assistant coach for Harvard Women's Rugby, Sylvia Broughton. Sylvia, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for joining me. I really appreciate the time. So, Sylvia, the first question we ask everyone that comes on the show is just, can you tell us a little bit about where you're from? Yeah, that's actually a little bit of a loaded question. Um, (laughs) I was born in Chicago. I grew up outside of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 
um, but lived in Minneapolis, Minnesota for the bulk of the past decade. So Minneapolis is still considered home. Uh-huh. Um, but I moved out to Boston last fall uh, when I got the job with Harvard Women's Rugby. Um, and now, obviously, with COVID and the ability to work remotely, I am currently living out in Colorado um, with the uh, Women's National Rugby Team. Right. Very nice. So it sounds like you have a lot of different homes. That's always that's, a, that's yeah. always a good thing. <laughs> So, uh, Sylvia, I know I, I've listened to some of your other interviews that you've done. I've read about you. So um, I, I know how and when you started playing rugby. Was it the, was it the, the uh, walking through the plaza or whatever? Someone threw you a ball. So I was just wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that, is how and when you picked up rugby. Uh, and then I'll get into some more questions about that later on. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I started playing when I was a freshman um, at Marquette University in 2003. Um, they have this uh, thing at the beginning of the year called O-Fest, where all the different clubs and organizations set up tables around the union, and um, first-year students can walk around and see what's available. And the rugby team, the women's rugby team, just happened to have a table there, and their strategy for recruiting and gaining interest was as um, people who looked somewhat athletic would walk by, they would toss um, you a rugby ball, and if you caught it, they'd you know, wave you over and, and introduce themselves and um, so I caught the ball and walked over to the table and, um, you know, I had no idea what rugby was, but I knew it was something that similar to like American football. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always loved playing that, um, growing up right. in the backyard. So, um, decided to try it out and, uh, yeah, immediately fell in love with the game. Yeah, I know. I saw in the interview you were saying that you fell in love after your first practice, but was there something particular about rugby that, that kind of hooked you and drew you in? Yeah, I think a number of facets, I think, uh, both just the intensity of the game. Um, I, I grew up as a multi-sport athlete, and um, in my opinion, there's no other sport like it. Um, but also the the um, the odd combination of the simplicity of the game, where anybody can pick it up and, and play, uh, but also the complexity of the sport, which allows for continuous learning and growth. Um, and probably the thing that, that really hooked, hooked me that was different from any other sport experience is just the community, um, mm-hmm. the inclusivity and, and just how rugby is a sport for all, all shapes, all sizes, all personalities. So, yeah. um, yeah, those, those are all definitely uh, things that, that hooked me and kept me involved in the sport. Right. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. That's been my experience too, since I've been in the community as well. And so, uh, so before we get, kind of get into, um, your strength and conditioning career, I wanted to ask a little bit about your playing career. So can you kind of explain your path to the, to the national team as a player, uh, from, from this first practice, from getting recruited in, in the student union here at Marquette? Yeah. Um, so back in that day, uh, the pathway looked a little bit different than it does now, uh-huh. but um, my, my college coach, Tom Schmidt, was very much involved in um, getting me uh, into the pathway. So he um, connected me with, at the time, it was the U19s was kind of the first step into the pathway, connected me with that coach. And um, actually, after, within my first year of playing, um, went on to the U.S. U19s to England. Um, and then from there, just kind of made my way through the, plat- um, through the pathway, so playing you know, for the state um, team and then playing for the territorial select side, the Midwest select side, um, making my way up through the U.S. pathway with the U23s um, and then eventually getting my shot um, and getting my first invite to um, a women's national team camp in 2011. Very nice. So what do you remember about your first cap? Um. <laughs> I think how exhausted I was. Yeah. Um, it's probably the thing that stands out. 
um, it was against South Africa in 2011, and it was a late kickoff, which is pretty usual for international games, uh-huh. but something I was definitely not um, used to. And so, you know, I woke up early. Um, I was jazzed, so pumped, and spent the whole day just um, just amped. And by the time kickoff rolled around, um, my nervous system was shot. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was definitely a harsh point in my career early on, learning how to manage my arousal levels throughout the day um, so that um, I could perform in ways that I wanted to. But, um, yeah, I was so excited. And, and at the same time, it was it was just surreal, you know, definitely. Yeah, true. that's all right. That's, that's the best way to learn is you just got to live it, right? So good yeah, to get that exactly. under your belt, out of your way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Sylvia, do you have a favorite rugby memory? I know it's kind of a big question, but I like asking it because it's always different for everybody. But is there some one or two memories that kind of pop to the top of your mind when, when I ask you about your favorite rugby memory? Oh, man, that's a tough call. Um, <laughs> I think I would have to go with winning the 2013 WPL National Championship with the Twin Cities Amazon. Uh-huh. Um, that probably rank as a as, uh, one of my, if not the top, yeah, um, favorite rugby memory, yeah. That's, a, I mean, that's that's a good answer. They're always winning the championships got to be up there at the top, I think. But it is fun because you get some different answers. You get some, you know, reflection on high school matches or or first caps or even just playing in like a social sevens tournament or something like that. So I like asking that question. Uh, it's kind of moving into into your coaching career now. How did you get into coaching? Um, yeah, so I started coaching towards the end of my playing career. Um, mm-hmm. Two of my former teammates and best friends were coaching at the University of Minnesota. Um, I started to volunteer to coach at a practice or two each week. Um, and then when I was living in uh, Miami for the spring of 2018, I just reached out to the University of Miami team to see if there, you know, if I could come out and help and um, ended up walking into the head coach position um, that, that they, they needed. Very so, nice. Uh, granted, they, they were in a, a very much of a building state. And so, I mean, we'd have anywhere from four to eight players at practice and, yeah. you know, show up to seven minutes with barely enough to fill a roster. Uh, but it was so fun just to see them progress throughout the semester. Um, so those are my initial um, coaching experiences with rugby. Um, but most of my coaching experience comes from, um, SNC strength conditioning. So right. I worked at the high school level for about 10 years um, before then becoming director of performance at um, a couple of different private uh, performance facilities. Um, then after the summer, uh, or the summer after the 2017 World Cup, um, I got a phone call from Emily Bidwell asking me what my plan was, um, more specifically whether or not I was retiring from the international game. Um, and so shortly after I announced my retirement, uh, she and Ian Jones, the then director of performance for the Eagles, brought me on to work SNC for the U20s. Um, mm-hmm. So that was my start of my involvement with the U.S. Um, Women's National Team pathway. Um, and as for for Harvard, where I worked full time now as the assistant assistant coach there, I randomly got an email um, from head coach Mel Denham, who um, was one of my former U.S. rugby teammates, um, mm-hmm. just asking what I was up to and, you know, stating she had an opportunity I might be interested in. So flew out to Boston from the interview, checked out the campus, met the team and knew without a doubt that that was for me. So, um, you know, it's just been uh, awesome. Just remaining fully immersed in the sport of rugby has been an absolute blessing. So to be able to develop as a skill coach at Harvard, 
while simultaneously working SNC with, you know, arguably some of the best athletes in the world, um, are just, you know, two opportunities that I'll never take for granted. Yeah. That's all. That's awesome story. That's, it's funny how it always works out like that. And, And it sounds like you're in a great place now. Um, and I know I've had the I've had the opportunity to come out and see some of the trainings, um, and, it, and it looks like fun, honestly. Like I, when I think of these high performance camps, I think of it almost like, oh, that's going to be so hard and, and all this. But coming out and watching, it, it looks like you've you've made it fun, but you keep it serious at the same time. So uh, just kind of from from the strength and conditioning perspective, Sylvia, how has camp treated you so far? I know we're a week or two away from it being wrapped up. Yeah. Um it's been a blast, you know, to be honest, like the team's just been amazing to work with. Um, they came ready and engaged and just hungry to learn and grow. Um, so to be honest, it just makes my job really easy and, and, um, and it's easy to keep it, you know, fun. Like you said, I think that's, mm-hmm. that's important because at the end of the day, that's, that's why we play. Cause we love the game and, right. um, you know, we had something that we really enjoy. So yeah, for me, just in this, in this environment, um, it's just been a blast. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you about the the plans for a camp like this, especially in a time period like this with with COVID and all this stuff going on. But like what goes into making the the strength and conditioning plan for a camp like this? Like how far in advance do you do you start planning for this? Um, What do you decide to focus on? How do you make those decisions? And like who all is involved in these meetings? I just feel like there's so many moving parts I don't know anything about when it comes to this. And so I'm very interested to hear about all this. Yeah, all really, really good questions. Yeah, sorry, um, sorry, I kind of just threw a bunch at you right there. Yeah. So feel free to pick and choose what you what you can out of that mess. I'll try to try to hit them. Yeah. <laughs> so I think in terms of the planning piece, um, initially, I just knowing what each athlete had access to, right? So it's a, it's a unique um, experience with with COVID and with the shutdown, and um, you know, knowing what each athlete had access to in terms of. Um, you know, some athletes had full gym and field access. Some had a 25-pound dumbbell. Um, others had no equipment whatsoever. So just being aware of, you know, what they were doing prior to coming to camp. Mm-hmm. Um, and that allows me then to manage um, their loading from not only a weight perspective, but also from a sprint and run volume perspective. Um, and then just ensuring that there's appropriate progression within within the loading, I think, is, is the key. So mm-hmm. finding that balance with we can still push thresholds and, and get the desired physical outcomes, um, but without having too great of a jump in loading where, you know, now where the injury risk gets substantially higher. Right. Um, and terms of who's involved, like the, the whole coaching staff works pretty closely um, to be sure that all the pieces of the puzzle fit, right? We're trying um, to the best of our ability not to have it be um, siloed, you know, where SNC is something completely different than what they do in rugby and so on. So really trying to, um, make and ensure all the pieces of the puzzle fit together. Um, so in coming here, we kind of, you know, we had an idea of, of what our athletes had been doing. So we created a, a general periodized outline prior to the start of the DTE. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, of course, is adjusted on a weekly basis, often even daily basis, based on, um, you know, the, the response of the players from a holistic point of view in terms of physically, right. mentally, and um, and so on. So I think, you know, just knowing that we have to be, um, have the ability to adapt um, and, and communicate and, and um, continue to um, adjust so that uh, we can get what we want to get out of, with, you know, keeping uh, the athlete wellness um, in the forefront. Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, how much has COVID changed like this stuff that you, you would normally do? Cause it's, a, it just seems like it's broken down into way smaller groups. There's, I mean, limits on to what you can do. It just sounds like a, 
that's thrown, I'm sure, a huge wrench into everything. Yeah, definitely. COVID has definitely, um, you know, provided various challenges, mm-hmm. uh, especially regarding their their return to play. Like from an SNC standpoint, um, you know, knowing that there is definitely uh, greater injury risk considerations regarding soft tissue related right. um, injuries. Hamstrings, Achilles, and so on, based on you know what athletes have been doing and um, what kind of loading they've been under, and so that's where the appropriate progression is is absolute key. Um, some things that we focused on is you know it, uh, increasing horizontal force output, so using resisted running, power pushes, pulls, mm-hmm. um, at the same time while building that posterior chain robustness and tensile strength has been a big focus, and then having an early emphasis on deceleration and force absorption. So reinforcing optimal positions um, and joint angles and then progressing to improving, you know, their reactive ability. Um, we also used a lot of different progressions in small, like repeat ground contact drills to build ankle and calf integrity and um, just allow us to build an intensity from week to week within our sprint sessions. Um, so I think one of the things that's really helped us in terms of managing and assessing that load is, is having the GPS and, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, monitoring meters, high speed meters, accelerations, et cetera. So um, that's been a big, a big, um, you know, something that's been a lot in the forefront of, of my thought in terms of planning. Um, but yeah. then there's also the, you know, the rugby piece and the return to contact progression, both in managing the progressions um, in terms of intensity, but also in regards to COVID limitations, like yeah. you said, with the small groups and having to, you know, for the first two two weeks um, plus time, like just being spaced out. Um, so starting with, you know, individual ground contact and different proprioception work, like tumbling, rolling, yeah. you know, various ups and half moon drills, et cetera. And then progressing through the stages um, where we're working them with rock pads and tackle bags and tackle mats. And then, you know, eventually getting to more one V one battles and wrestling and, and then, uh, you know, full contact. Um, right. So yeah, Kind of again, you know, looking at all the different pieces and, and um, working within those limitations, but still trying to get the physical outcomes we need in order to, um, you know, progress through the training camp. Yeah, and this might be kind of a weird, uh, weird question, Sylvia, but is it? I mean, maybe if we like, I'm trying to look at it from a different perspective. Is that could that possibly be a good thing to strip it all down to the bare bones and, and just kind of like go after it again? Um, you know, from from starting from this point in their career is, is there like any positive to any of that at all? Yeah, I think, I think there's, you know, there, you can always find, um, you know, that light. Um, and I think that that is definitely one of it, just giving us the time to, like you said, strip it down and get back to the basics and, and really, um, build from there. Um, mm-hmm. I think that that's definitely been, you know, positive in terms of, um, of this experience for sure. Yeah. Uh, and I'm glad you brought up GPS as I could ask you a million questions on those because those are like, I don't know, I think those that's like amazing technology and, and I just want to learn a lot about it. But we obviously don't have time for that. So the question that I'll finish with, Sylvia, is just uh, do you make the gym playlists? I've been in the gym with you, <laughs> with you all the last few days and uh, those, those gym playlists are something else. Yeah, that's a great question. Yes. Um, I don't personally make the gym playlist, but we have found some some definite hits that yes. just uh, ramp up the energy. Um, so some some go tos I'll throw it out there is 
Um, a lot of the, the athletes love the new Big Booty Mix Volume 18. <laughs> it's the newest one that was released. I think it's you know it's in the last week or two. So that's been a major. Yes, yeah, that's kind of what it sounds like. Yeah. Sounds like mix of the gym and the club, which I think is what you need to work yeah. out to. So yeah, yeah, music is definitely uh, key. You know, to to get the right energy and um, uh, that I think that's always important. So yeah, that's been a good one. But we have also played some old school, you know, um, old school jams too. So yeah, just kind of reading the mood and and uh, going from there. <laughs> <laughs> I had to ask you about it. It's it's caught my ear. Uh, the, the few days I've been in the gym watching watching you all lift. So uh, that's all the questions I had for you, Sylvia. We'll end on that one. So thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been fun. All right. I hope everybody enjoyed that conversation with prop Nick James and uh, strength and conditioning coach and assistant coach of Harvard women's rugby, Sylvia Broughton. I know I certainly did. Big thank you to Nick and Sylvia for taking the time out of their day. Come chat with me for a little bit. As I say, every week the guests make the show. Uh, I'm very thankful for anyone that, that gives me the time of day and come come chats with me for a little bit on the show. Uh, so I appreciate it very much, and I very much enjoyed the conversation. I hope everybody else did as well. So with that, go ahead and jump into the required reading portion of the show. Um, kicked around a few ideas for this segment this week, but I did find something yesterday on Twitter. I saw the uh, rugby wrap-up shared it out, so I'm glad they did. The piece is entitled Heroic Action by Western Colorado Rugby Players at Paradise Cove Saves Former Woodland Park Football Player. Uh, that's by Chris Rourke from Western Colorado University. Uh, it's a pretty cool story about some some rugby players from Western Colorado. Uh, they end up saving this guy's life who actually plays rugby at Greeley, it sounds like, at UNC. Um, jumped off the rocks and, and knocked himself out and hurt his neck, it sounds like. And these guys... Dove in after him, saved his life. Uh, if they if they didn't take action, sounds like he probably would have died. So it's a very cool story. Um, as when I saw it pop up, I knew it had to be required reading this week. So as always, I will put that in the article that houses this podcast. I would encourage everyone to go check that out. It's good reads, not too long. Um, it's just a good story, it makes you feel good. There's been a lot of bad news, so here's some good news. Uh, yeah, so that's that's does it for required reading this week. We'll go ahead and wrap up the show the same way we do every week. That's with the loop. Um, so as I mentioned at the top of the show, we've got a very busy week ahead. That means a lot of content in relation to both the Rugby Town Crossover Academy and the Stars versus Stripes matches. Um, and then of course that all depends on on my COVID test, which I'm I'm knocking on I'm gonna knock on wood again here. I'm hoping that everything's okay. With that, I'm not I'm not too worried about it. Just need the negative results. So, plan on putting out a few different podcasts next week, and I will try to write some daily stories as well. It's going to be a busy week, but I'm gonna I'm gonna bust my hump trying to get all this out. And like I said, after such a long off season, after such a a long drought, I know I'm looking forward to to watching some rugby and then making some cool stuff. Uh, so I finally, I also finally have that long uh, form piece out that I've been talking about, about the Rugby Town Crossover Academy. So go check that out on the dnvr.com. Keep up with, keep up with us on Twitter at dnvr underscore rugby and at Colton Strickler next week, because like I said, it's going to be a big one. So that's my show. Thank you to everyone for listening. I uh, hope you had a great week. Hope you have a great weekend and I will catch you all back here on Monday. So have a great weekend guys. Thanks.